Hello, my name is Chris Bell. I'm the lead pastor here at Three Circle Church, and I want to welcome all of you joining us today for Church at Home online with us from all over the world here on the Eastern Shore along the Gulf Coast. We just want to welcome all of you and thank you for joining us today as we continue to look into the Word of God. On this Palm Sunday, we celebrate Jesus Christ, all that He was, who He was, and all that He did for us, and we celebrate and worship Him today. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus made his entry into Jerusalem. It was amazing. People worshipped him. There were palm branches hitting the ground. But it would only be a few days later that those same crowds would turn on him and Jesus would give his life for us. And today what we want to talk about as we celebrate Palm Sunday is we want to talk about a part of our salvation that's so beautiful, so amazing. And if you're a believer joining us today, you can just celebrate as you're reminded about these very important truths that we're going to look at today. If you're not a believer in Christ, my hope is that you've tuned in, and by the end of our time together today, that you would be drawn to the Jesus who can change your life and save you forever. I want to read for us today in the book of Galatians. You have your Bibles or your cell phones or your iPads. You can go to Galatians 4, and we're going to look at verses 4 through 7. Listen to these amazing words from Scripture. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Now, this is amazing. And the first question I want to pose to us today as we join together is this. What does it mean to be a Christian? You know, if you ask people often uh, if they are believers or not, if they're a Christian or not, and as a pastor doing this a long time, when I ask people if they're a Christian, often I get the answer, sure, of course I am. I'll get that kind of answer. And when you begin to dive under the hood, you find that people sometimes have faulty reasons to believe that they're a Christian. So today we're going to talk about the gospel, we're going to talk about salvation and what it really means to be a Christian for a few moments. And let me tell you three things that do not make you a Christian, that I think often people, especially in our culture, lean on for Christianity. Here's something that doesn't make you a Christian, heredity. Heredity does not make you a Christian. This is when people say, hey, I grew up in a Christian home, so I'm a Christian. Growing up in a Christian home does not make you a Christian. That's not how it works. Another thing I see people do is they use process of elimination. They say, well, I don't believe in this and I don't believe in that, and so I must be a Christian because I don't believe in these other world religions, so I guess that makes me a Christian. That is not a way to be a Christian and become a Christian. Another thing that people lean on, and this may be the most prevalent one, is tradition. So they'll say something like this, well, I go to church, so I must be a Christian. Or I, I serve in some ministry, so I must be a Christian. Or I, I show up on Easter, Christmas, or I, I've taken the Lord's Supper, that must make me a Christian. And, and what I want to tell you today is none of those things make us Christians. So how do you become a Christian? If you're taking notes, you could write this down. The only way to be a Christian is to place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jesus is the only way. Romans 10.9 reminds us of this. It says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, when we take a look at those initial scriptures that we read, we begin to see in the book of Galatians the entire gospel encapsulated in a few verses. 
The Bible tells us when the fullness of time had come, that means there was a plan for Jesus to come for us. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Now, this is an important aspect of the gospel and how we actually become Christians. Because the only way to become a Christian is by placing our faith in Jesus and what he did for us. So a few things I want you to understand that happened when Jesus came for us. First of all, Jesus was treated like us so that we could forever be treated like him. Jesus took our sin upon him. Jesus was sinless, yet God laid our sin upon him. It's the great trade. Jesus gives us his righteousness, his perfection, and he takes on our sin. It's an absolutely majestic and beautiful truth. And here's the tough thing about it. If you're here and, and, and you're watching or you're listening today and you say, hey, that's offensive to me for someone to tell me that I'm a sinner, that I need a savior, I want you to know that it is offensive unless you see your need for Jesus. But every single one of us who's joining today, who would call yourselves Christians, you have been to that place where you had to admit that you needed a Savior. In fact, the gospel really is good news and bad news. It starts off bad, right? The bad news is we were all so bad, we were all so sinful that we needed someone to die for us to save us. But the great, majestic, awesome news of the gospel is that someone did die for us to save us. Someone did take our place, and his name is Jesus, and he's the only way to salvation. Now, here's where we get to understanding, because if you're a believer today, you're going, yes, 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 all of that is true for me. But what I want you to understand is often, I think we have a very limited understanding of just what God has done for us, because salvation is both legal and it is relational. What this means is when you became a Christian, if you are a believer today, when you trusted in Jesus as your Savior and you did what Romans 10.9 says, in a moment, several things happened. God gave you new life. We call that regeneration. God forgave you of your sins. That's, that's because of the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. And then something really big that happened in that moment is that you were justified. The Bible tells us we were justified in Christ. And what this means is God declared you, if you're a believer in Christ, in a moment, God declared you not guilty of your sins. So uh, this is a beautiful truth from Scripture. And this is the only way to become a Christian, is that the God of the universe in all of his righteousness looks at you as the ultimate judge, and he says, I deem you not guilty. And how did that happen? Because Jesus received the wrath and judgment of God on the cross for us. We now can receive his righteousness. We're treated like Jesus. That's an amazing truth for us today that we should rejoice in. In the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of all that's going on around us, we can rejoice. You see, for several weeks, we've been looking into the scriptures to see how does the Bible speak to this situation we're in. And you may be going right now, you may be going, wow, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Why are we talking about this? But can I tell you, this is the most important thing for you to remember. What you're going to hear in the next few moments, you need to be reminded of if you're a believer in the middle of maybe one of the most uncertain times in our lifetimes. You need to remember what God has done for you. You need to remember that you are a believer in all that that means. You've been justified. God is not counting your sins against you. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's justification, and that is the legal side of salvation. It's legal. God is a judge. He's the only judge, the ultimate judge. 
and he deems all believers in his son Jesus as not guilty anymore. This is amazing. But that's where many of us stop. Many of us stop with our understanding of salvation there. And we think God has forgiven us of our sins and that God's kind of, you know, declared us not guilty, but he did not stop there. What I want you to understand, if God would have stopped there, then we would just kind of have a neutral relationship with him anymore. He's not against us, he's not, but, but he's really not for us either, if you stop there. But what I want you to understand is there's more. And in that moment that you gave your life to Christ, not only did God justify you declaring you not guilty, he also did this amazing thing that we call adoption. God adopted you as your father. And we're going to begin to look at that for the next few minutes because here's what I want you to understand. If you view God as only a judge, that is an incomplete view of him and your salvation. If all you see is God as a judge and you still see him as judge, he's just a judge in your life, well, he, for you, you're going to see him as someone who's just looking for a, for a way to, to see if you're guilty or not. And every day you're going to view him through that lens. And I want you to know I spent a lot of my years with Christ as a young man believing that way. And I didn't understand the grace of God. And I didn't understand that, yes, God deemed me as a judge, not guilty. And, yes, he is the ultimate righteous judge. But he's also my father, and he's also adopted me. Let, let me tell you what I mean by this. When you look at scriptures, you see that Jesus himself said several things about us who follow him. One thing he said is that anyone who follows him was chosen. We are chosen. Jesus chose us before we chose him, John 6, 44. He said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. No one just comes to Jesus without God drawing them. We were chosen. That's a really awesome thing. Uh, secondly, he calls us sheep. How about that? You're barnyard animals, right? But it's a really cool Example, Jesus says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's another thing that all believers can say. We're chosen and we're like sheep and we have this good shepherd that leads us, loves us, and cares for us. Not only that, Jesus said that if we follow him, we become his servants. This is pretty awesome. That means that we, as, as sheep, we're led by him uh, chosen means that he chose us before we chose him. We're, we're special to him. Servants mean we get to work for him. And I'll tell you right now, I love to serve Jesus. I love, love, love working for Jesus. We're invited to do that. That's part of our relationship with him. John 12, 26, he says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the father will honor him. It's an honorable thing to work for Jesus. And many of you are really good at that. You're like Martha in the Bible who was a good friend of Jesus who just wanted to get the work done. But I want you to know that there's more to the Christian life than just being judged by God. There's more than just working for him. There's more than just being a sheep, him being your shepherd. There's more. There's also this place where Jesus called us friends. So the, the relationship just gets more and more intimate. He calls us friends, John 15, 15. He says, no longer do I just call you servants. The servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. Now, every time we add one of these things that Jesus said about us when he saved us, when we follow him, it doesn't take away the others. We are all chosen. We're all sheep. We're all servants, and we're all friends. And friends is pretty cool, right? That's pretty awesome that we can be friends with Jesus, the Son of God. 
That's an amazing relationship. But as great as that is, he did not stop there. There's one more thing he said. The Bible tells us that because of Jesus, we are God's children. Now, I know a lot of people like to say that everyone in the world is God's children, but they're not. The Bible tells us that every human is created by God, but that only through Christ can we truly become adopted and grafted into the family of God, true children of God. And this is where we get this beautiful thing that I want to talk to you about today for just a moment, and that is the doctrine of adoption. Because the Bible says we were adopted. In Galatians, what does it say? It says that we were given this thing called adoption as sons. We read it in the beginning. We now cry, Abba, Father. We don't just say, Judge, God. We don't just say we're sheep or servants. We say, Daddy. He's our Father. It's intimate. No longer slaves, but sons and daughters and heirs through God. We are now children of God. And the only way to be a child of God is to go through Jesus. Now, what does it mean to be a child of God? Because today, I want to remind you all, you're children of God. In the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of wondering how the future is going to look, you are a child of God. And we should worship for that. And we should be excited about that and be reminded of that. But we also need to remember that if there's any of us watching today, joining us today, and you don't have a relationship with God, you can be adopted into the family of God by Jesus. What does it mean? Once you become adopted by Jesus, by doing what Romans told us earlier, to believe upon him and give our life to him, what does it mean when we're a child of God? A few things. Just to remind you of these beautiful truths today. Number one, God is your father. If you're a child of God, then God, the father, is your father now. And that is an amazing thing. Our father who art in heaven. Our father is big and mighty and powerful. And no matter what you're going through today, he is bigger than that. He cares for you. He loves you, will provide for you. God is now your father. And if you have, listen, if you compare God to to any other human, it's just not going to be enough. Like if you had a really good dad growing up, God's better than him. But if you had a really bad father, God is the father that you could only dream of because God is a good and perfect father. And if you're a child of God, he's your father. Secondly, the church is now your family. That's a really awesome thing. That Even though we can't meet in person, in buildings right now, we look forward to the day we can again. We are still the church. And these people that you're connecting with online right now or in virtual groups through the week, they are your family now. I'm your brother now, like it or not. We are now family. Thirdly, you are an heir with Christ. That's what the scriptures in Galatians says. It says that we are no longer slaves. We are sons and heirs through God. What this means is, listen, I like to say this. Someone can say to you, you know what? You're like a son or a daughter to me. And that feels real good. But you know it's real when they put you in the will, okay? Like if they put you in their will, they're going to they're, they're gonna take care of you one day. They're going to bless you one day. That's when you go, it's for real now, I'm in the will. And the Bible tells us that when it comes to God, God does not just say to us, you're like children to me. He has adopted us with the most expensive adoption in human history. And he has said, you're not like children, you are children. And the Bible says that everything that is Jesus Christ's is ours as well. We are heirs to the Father. These are amazing truths. Fourthly, this is huge. If you grew up like me a little bit, maybe, maybe this one's really going to be important for you. You have security in Christ. 
There's no power above or below or ever will be that can separate you from the love of God. If God's your father, he's going to treat you like his child. And look, my kids aren't perfect. But when my kids mess up, I don't tell them, hey, you got to get out of the house and go find a new family. I'm done with you. No, it's unconditional, my love for them. I'm forever their dad. I'm forever going to take care of them. I'm forever going to love them. And God loves you more than I could ever love my kids. He loves you more than you love your own children if you're parents or grandparents today. You have security in Christ. God will be faithful to you even when you're not faithful. That's how good he is. And then finally, and this is huge because this is where we're going to land, the teaching portion today. You have a responsibility as an adopted son and daughter of of God in Christ. We have a responsibility. And what is that responsibility? We have been given all of this blessing and goodness. We have a responsibility to share that. We have responsibility. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. What this means is we have been adopted, and now we wear and bear the name of God to the world. And one of the greatest things we can do as a church and as individuals is be a part of seeing others adopted. Now, that can mean spiritual. We share our faith. We pray for people. We lead people to Christ. But it can also be literal adoption and foster care. And today on this Palm Sunday, when we see that example of Scripture of children worshiping Jesus and shouting for Him in the Bible, We're reminded that in our world during this pandemic, during this time, some of the most vulnerable people in the world are children who do not have families. And we want you to hear a few stories for the next few moments that I think will move you and inspire you because we believe that adoption and foster care are major pieces of what we need to be doing as a church. And here's the thing. It's not something we're beginning. It's something that's already happening at Three Circle. I want you to be blessed and inspired and encouraged in the next few moments as you hear from real people at Three Circle Church who are a part of adoption and foster care. And then we're going to talk to you about how we can all be a part of this. We can either help people who are doing it or we can take part in it ourselves. We're not all called to do everything, but I do believe we're all called to do something. So as adopted sons and daughters of the Most High, what would God have us to do today. Take a few moments and hear some amazing stories that I think will encourage you in the next few moments. We're excited to be able to share with you today. My name is Jacob Baker, and this is my wife, Cynthia, and we have three hilarious, beautiful daughters at home, Maddie, Myra, and Kayla. Uh, For the past seven years, we have served overseas, and we just came back at the end of last year and now have the opportunity to serve as your missions director here at Three Circle Church. I want to share a little bit about our story and and how God worked early on in my life to get us to where we were. Um, If you haven't heard anything about my story before, I've actually been able to go through adoption twice in my life. Um, I was raised by an amazing single mom uh, for most of my uh, childhood. And when I was 12, my mom married my stepfather. And immediately after they got married, my stepfather started the process to adopt me legally as his son Um, which was an an amazing thing to me, being wanted, being desired and loved. It moved my name to the front of the alphabet, which had lots of benefits, but um, never having to try to prove myself or earn his love, he freely gave that to me and uh, didn't have to worry about who or uh, where my father was. He was with me and with me forever. 
And then right after that, I was able to experience adoption for a second time in my life, uh, becoming a follower of Christ, being adopted into the family of God because of his great love for us and what Jesus did on the cross for our sins, freely loving us. Um, I was able to walk into that and, and follow that and had my life changed forever. Being able to have a relationship with my creator, my father, but then also have eternity with him um, really had a huge impact on my life, obviously. And out of that, I, I wanted to respond in a, in a similar way as, as what our, our heavenly father had shown us as a way that uh, responding what my, my stepfather had done for me. And so God had worked in my life and my heart over the years. And then he led our family to serve overseas the past seven years in both Honduras and India, working with ministries that work with children who had been orphaned for various reasons. Um, and while we were in India the past five years, uh, working at a children's home for, for kids and, and young adults with disabilities who had been who had been previously abandoned, God started leading our family to start the process of adoption ourselves. Yeah, so for me, it was while we were in India that I really felt God moving in our hearts and um, prompting our family to move forward with the adoption process. Um, and so in November of 2017, after a lot of prayer and talking through it with our family and what it would look like, um, Kayla joined our family through adoption. Um, she joined our family at the age of four years old, and life kind of hasn't been the same since. Um, God grew us a lot in our faith, and he taught us so much. Um, he taught us what love is and how to love unconditionally. Um, there were a lot of challenging times for us in the beginning as Kayla would refuse to eat, and she would go without talking to us for a couple of days, and just a lot of things that we had to learn to navigate um, as well as our older two daughters, it was a season for them to learn what the new normal would look like for us as a family. Um, there were a lot of hardships for us, and a lot of those were related to Kayla's disability, as well as um, just the trauma that she experienced in her life before she joined our family. Um, so we uh, know that a lot of sacrifice went into that. We had a lot of tears shed, um, a lot of hard nights. But through all of that, God just remained with us and just comforted us. And he was still so good to us during that season. Yeah, being able to look back on this journey and, and seeing God's faithfulness and how he was present in, in the good times and the challenging times is, is real encouraging to us. Um, one final story I want to share is because we adopted Kayla while we were living in India, um, it takes about two years before we can start her process to, uh, to become a U.S. citizen. And, and God started working on our hearts last year and showing us that it was time to come back to the U.S. And at the same time, the, US, the Indian government decided that they wouldn't renew my visa again. And so we were looking at having to leave and, and, and her process not being finished yet and just praying through that and, and seeing God open up doors with our government that we didn't even know could be opened um, we were able to fly back at the end of December as a family with, with our newest U.S. citizen with us. And uh, being able to look back and, and see God's faithfulness, uh, it helps to encourage us and deepen our faith. And it also helps us to continue to kind of follow out, follow out and live out the purpose that God has for our life. And we would just encourage you uh, to, to pray and, and to seek God's wisdom and, and where he would want to use you or if he want to use you in adoption care. Um, 
there, there's places for all of us to be used. And I'd encourage you to, to seek out people who have adopted, to ask questions, to learn more, to pray, and see, just see what God would want to do in your family's life. Hey, I'm Blake Martin, and my wife Blair and I are members here at Three Circle. And about three and a half or four years ago, when we became foster parents, we knew because we had three young kids of our own that there was probably going to be some times for one reason or another that we would not be able to have uh, kids in our house, but we still wanted to be able to serve that community. So we got involved with a national uh, foster care advocacy organization called the Forgotten Initiative, and we are the local advocates for Baldwin County. And the Forgotten Initiative's mission is really simple. We're here to help you serve the foster care community through advocacy, encouragement, and awareness. But before I get into kind of the hows and the what's of what serving this community looks like, I want to talk about the why we serve. Throughout the scriptures and throughout the gospels, we see consistently that God is a God of proximity. He says, I see you where you are and I'm coming after you. God looks at hard things and broken places and he moves towards them. And then he asked us to do the same. And he, he did this literally by incarnation and coming to earth and Jesus modeling this. He stepped into humanity's brokenness to show us how to do this. I know personally, one of the most difficult things that I struggle with, and I think probably a lot of people here in this community is we build our lives uh, to shield out the brokenness and the hard things. You know, we we want to be comfortable. And so we also want to insulate ourselves and our families from anything that is difficult. And so if we were to move towards something, a situation that is difficult, it seems counterintuitive. But as followers of Christ, moving towards brokenness and difficult situations isn't just what we do, it's who we are. And there's something that I read one time that has really stuck with me and it's just kind of like a punch in the gut is, it says, how can I raise my hands and worship a God that stepped into my situation and changed everything and then turn around with those same hands and push away the brokenness of others? And that's something that I have to remind myself even to this day as I'm in the middle of this constantly uh, of what I'm supposed to do and what Jesus calls us to do. Um, so what does serving this community look like? And it really can look like a million different things. So we see several descriptions in the New Testament of the body of Christ, and we know that God has equipped all of us with different abilities and different strengths. So not everybody is supposed to have foster kids in their house, and that's totally fine. Uh, the question you gotta ask yourself though is not can I do something, it's how can I not do something to help? How can we not use the gifts that we've given because of what Jesus has done for us to help those who are right in the middle of this difficult situation um, who are taking care of these kids? So this can be uh, social workers, the biological parents who have uh, lost their kids and are trying to get them back or have just gotten them back or the foster families themselves. What they need is they need believers to wrap around them and show them the love of Jesus by using whatever God has blessed them with to do. And 
under normal times, that can be as simple as cooking a meal or volunteering for a parent's night out. Uh, obviously, in the situation we're in, things have changed, but just because the circumstances have changed, our mission has not. So as we provide physical needs for people uh, during this crisis here, um, we've got to remember that it's not just providing stuff. It's never about the stuff. It's about showing people in difficult situations that they are seen and they are loved by Jesus. Hi, my name is PJ, and this is my wife, Kelly, and we are members here at Three Circle Church, and we are also foster parents. That's right, and we just want everybody to know that we're not special or perfect people. We are normal, broken people, and we are foster parents. Yeah, um, something that was important for Kelly and I when we first met uh, is that we wanted to have a large family, um, a house full of kids. Definitely. It was important to both of us. So we were married in 2010, and then we began trying to have children in 2013. And unfortunately, that led us on a journey of infertility to finding out in 2018 that we were unable to have natural children, which was uh, shocking and and difficult news. Yeah, it was um, shortly after we found out um, that we could not have kids, that the idea of fostering um, re-entered our mind. We have heard about it, but we never really thought that we would be foster parents. And uh, a family approached us here at church, and there was an interest meeting literally right around the corner. And um, I'd like to tell you that we, um, we prayed and sought God, and we even fasted for 40 days, but that is so far from the truth. We, um, we were sitting in a vehicle, we were talking about it, and we just felt that nudge, that, that light nudge, and we knew it was from God, and we just jumped right in, and uh, we said, we're going to do this, and we're just going to see what, see what happens. Yeah, that's right. So when we started the classes in fall of 2018, we were kind of unsure what it would look like if we would just be doing respite care or if we would do more. But as we started the classes and started to learn about what we would be doing as foster parents and what these children were coming from and going through, we knew that we we wanted to do this. Uh, So the goal of foster care is to return the children to their parents. So these children are being ripped from their homes for Mm. a big, important reason. It's severe abuse or neglect. They're not taken away for any small reason. So these children come from trauma to strangers' homes, to foster parents' homes, and um, the goal is to work with DHR to return these children to their parents, to get their parents the help that they need to become a safe home again for these children to go back to. And then if that's not possible, a family member is sought out as a safe home for the child to be returned to. Yeah, so just to, to echo what Kelly's saying, I like to break it up in three three main points, and the first important is to find a home um, for, the, for the child um, of safety and love um, temporary with the foster parents. And the second is reunification with the parents. We want the parents to, to get better. We want the, the child to be reunified with that parent. And then thirdly is um, nearest relative resource. So those are the three things that mainly a foster parent goals is to work towards with DHR. Absolutely, yes. And on that note, probably the comment that we've heard the most about foster care is that, oh, I could never do that. It would be too hard to give them back. And my answer to that, our answer to that would be, you know, you're right. It's very hard. We mm. recently sent back one of our children reunified with a family member, and it was it was very difficult, but it was so worth it to know that this child had a safe place and safe attachment and love. They were nurtured, cared for, fed, 
while they were in our home, and then we were able to return them to a family member where they're also well taken care of. And yes, it was very hard, but it was absolutely worth it for the sake of these children to know that they have the love and the care that they deserve. Yeah, it's, it's not easy, and we could not have done it without the support that we had. Um, there are foster families in this very church that supported us, a shoulder to cry on, um, uh, our small group, um, this church, and even the DHR workers are just super um, helpful through this entire process. And they've all gone through this. They know what you're going through. They know what we're going through. And they've just helped us along the way. And it, and it would have been, it is impossible to do this without the support system that we yes, have. Absolutely. And one of the great things that some of those support system told us, like our fellow foster parents here, even in the church, they gave us proper expectations when we went in to foster care, knowing that it's a broken system. There's not enough workers. Mm. There's not enough foster homes. Mm. Justice does not happen as quickly as it should for these kids. But God is working in the midst of all of that. And even though it is hard to watch sometimes, we get to pray these children through these very difficult situations. And we get to love them through these very difficult situations. And we get to a front row seat and get to be part of fighting for justice for these children. And it is a beautiful thing. And God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And that's the way that we feel about ourselves. We don't feel like we're strong enough to do this either. But God gives you the strength. With God, all things are possible. And as you navigate these tough situations that come up, God God answers your prayers. And He has answered our prayers and been there with us through those moments. That's right. Uh, Nobody's perfect, and there's no perfect time to uh, be a foster uh, parent. Uh, Scripture says that Uh, All things are possible through Christ Jesus. And um, our story may not be this, you know, your story. Your story may look different than our story. And there's so many foster parents, um, families in this place, in this church that that have a beautiful story. And it is hard, but it's going to be so worth it. You know, that child coming into your home, it may be the only time and the only place that they experience love. They experience the love of Jesus and the nurture parent. Yeah. It's hard, but it's absolutely worth it. Yep, it is. And Matthew says that he who finds his life will lose it. Well, Jesus said it in Matthew, that he who finds his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will certainly find it. And um, I couldn't think of any better way yep. to lose our life than for these kids. with
I'm not afraid to die.